Oh my man, it's been forever. It really has, dude. What's uh? So just I haven't weekend weekend. Let's start with that. That seems like a place to begin. Oh yeah, what a hell of a weekend. Uh, this one's a classic one. It's the middle of the summer, and uh, my a huge for uh, fraction of my family came to the uh, city for my cousin's wedding. Yeah, I was checking out the Instagram stories. It looked like a like an entire army of people. It was crazy. There was hundreds of people there, but there was definitely a lot of people at my place. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, my my apartment. Uh, it's just me living here. And I do have I have an infestation of ants though, so it does feel like I have a lot of unwanted guests. <laughs> you have unwanted guests. <laughs> and I tried to uh, spray peppermint oil mixed with water, like the internet told me to, uh, all over the nooks and crannies, but it's done nothing. The ants are just like bathing in it. They're like, ah, we smell fresh. We feel like we just got out of a nice shower. <laughs> That's right. When they crawl into your mouth when you're sleeping, it's just like you dream about chewing on Mentos. Oh, God, that's so disgusting. The, the other day maker. I was sitting on the couch and I looked at the wall and I was like, something is wrong. I can't tell what it is. Something is wrong right now. Yeah. And there was a thick, juicy mustache attached to the wall there, which we all know is a house centipede. They're so disgusting. Look them up if you're listening to this. Oh, hilarious. Uh, I was frozen in fear because it was so thick and juicy and big. Yeah. And so I had Amanda kill it. And um, I love you. That's why you need to have a strong wife. Yes. You know? Yes. I had to kill one on the stairwell, too, and it was horrible. I stepped on it, and half of it went missing. So I had no idea where the fuck it went. But Yo, God creates the best creatures. The perfect design is one where if uh, half of your body gets smashed, the other half can scurry away. (laughs) And then grow back? Yes. (laughs) Sickening. That's what I was worried about. (laughs) Uh, This is all triggered by you saying the thing about ants crawling in your mouth while you're sleeping. Well, I had a horrific uh, weekend experience. I was in front of the Grizzly Pear Midtown. Nice venue. Great back back space to perform in. But I'm on the uh, sidewalk. And I feel like there are three comedians seated in front of me and their eyes bug out. And I feel something uh, kind of heavy, mid, mid-level mid heavy drop on me. And at first I thought, oh, it's bird poop, you know? And then, I, and then, they, then some guy gasps. And then I reflectively gasp because I'm not going to wait around to yeah. freak <laughs> you out. You don't even know what it is. Yeah, yeah I'm just going to gasp if you <laughs> gasp. My mirror neurons are firing. Yeah. So I look over and there is uh, a flying cockroach. On my shirt, and it's like huge. I mean, it it had it. We're face to face. Like I could have done a suspect sketch at the police <laughs> station. You know, checking out the it, checking out its high cheekbones. Like it had a sweatband on. It was it was massive. And uh, so two of the comics jump up and try to smack it off of me, man. And this is dope. Like I feel they could have been Secret Service agents in another life because they were ready to jump on that and like take a bullet. They f- smacked it off. And it took two stomps to kill it. Ah, I'm gonna throw up. I That's feel like so the disgusting. first stomp, you know, when you like uh, step on bubble wrap. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like like it didn't pop the first time. There's straight up bugs like this, exactly yeah. like you're saying. Like they just are. It's just like clunk, and they're like, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> and um, then you have to hit them again. And I, I like pulled a muscle jumping. That's how uh, out of shape I am. I was like, ah! when I gasped, I pulled I pulled a muscle in my pec. <laughs> Uh, God bless this uh, comedian, Jill. Shout outs to Jill. She gave me like an edible for the ri- subway ride home. 
So that that's what got me through the night. Yeah, good thing that. you had the edible after getting attacked by the cockroach and that's not right. before. Yeah. That is horrible and disgusting. I mean, this is New York. We just had this horrible thing happen that yeah. was a one in a million chance of happening. So recently, about four, three weeks ago, I remember I came to Funhouse and uh, I told you, I, was, I said, hey, this is so weird, but I'm breaking out in hives. You were. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it, it literally looked like I had hives. So I was like, what am I allergic to? Because, you know, hives are the step before the anaphylactic shock. Exactly. Yeah. Was it scrimps? It was not. And that was what I was worried about. Oysters. I thought, oh, maybe I ate something with scallops in it and I'm going to literally go into anaphylactic. Yeah. So I was a little bit paranoid and I was just really just trying to figure it out. Well, anyways, the next morning I what wake up it? in my house. Oh, your head's going to explode. It's so fucked. I wake up in the morning and um, I Bed look bugs. at my... No, it's not. Chinches. No, no. But you know what it was? <laughs> what? It's so crazy because I was so afraid it was fucking chinches. I, it was bird mites. And the oh. way we found it out was so crazy. Basically, if you get attacked by bird mites, here's why. There's a bird making a nest in your living space somewhere, uh, it, usually under the air conditioning unit, right? And when the bird leaves the nest, these mites that drink the bird's blood look for the next source of food, which is a human being somewhere. And so they go in through the ace, the cracks that the AC leaves exposed in the window because no AC is like perfectly installed without, you know? And they go looking for the warmest source, which is usually something to eat. So you're the hot boy. Yeah, you're the hot boy. So I got bit over 100 times. They're like, mm, which of these Gino's pizza rolls fresh out of the microwave <laughs> is burning hot? It was so brutal. So I immediately think it's bed bugs. I'm flipping out. I look. My phone is covered in these fucking tiny 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 mites wow like and, sea monkeys but they're dry monkeys yeah and they're they are magnified by the light of the phone yeah so it's like looking into a microscope anyhow i do all this reading and i finally find out because there's no there was no proof of bed bed bugs all the shit that the telltale signs of bed bugs and even the bites weren't the same they were mind-boggling so how do you cure this if you've got if your house is infested with bird mites it's fucking insane it i read an article on reddit where people in new york city this happened to them and some of them said that they couldn't get rid of them for a year so they had to abandon their apartment and like give all their stuff up i was very worried i immediately started spraying the house with insect killer and all this stuff uh, all the baseboards and around the windows and stuff and then i found out vinegar is a thing all this stuff was happening for a few days while i was itching my skin off did uh, Riz and Noor and Amanda get it? Uh, Riz and Noor got bit, yeah, on their back and uh, a few bites on like, and they got bit on the head a little. So they were itching their heads. And it, that was it. I was, if my kids are getting attacked by these fucking things, I'm getting them out of here. And then I finally found out that pigeons had busted into the floor below us, into the side of the building, and they had a little nest right below our windows and they were they were stealing cable from you as well <laughs> yeah i'm sure they're using wi-fi <laughs> and uh yeah so they're looking pigeons for are flying passwords. rats number yeah. one number two a really friendly exterminator came over 
And he was like, oh, yeah, these are bird mites, and they're coming up through the floorboards, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to kill them all right now, and they'll never come back. And sure enough, they were gone. Oh, man. Yeah. So uh, what is worse, having bird mites or um, uh, hosting wedding parties in New York City? I mean, the wedding party was really fun. Yeah. It's just crazy to be in close quarters with so many people. And like my whole family stayed over in our building. Did you tell them about the bird mites and give them an option to Airbnb? Oh, yeah. I was like, well, you know, this was weeks ago that it happened. So I was like, hey, just so you know, we had these bird mites and they're horrible. Yeah. And uh, but they're gone. But it was nice to have them around. My parents are still around for a few more hours from. But the Indian wedding in New York City thing is tough. Having a wedding in New York City in the first place is tough because what, are you going to get all dressed up and then go take the subway? I mean, sure, you can. But yeah, you're like the couple in the Warriors. Right. Who's uh, coming back from prom. That's right. Uh, in the morning, like during at dawn. from and then, But on the opposite end of the car, it's just going to be dudes with no shirts wearing vests. Who exactly. Just bop their way down from the Bronx. <laughs> that was the dopest outfit, actually. I mean... <clears throat> those gangs were all amazing. They all had like cool shit going on. Yeah. It was uh, the village people, but deconstructed. I think the mime gangs that wore the Abraham Lincoln top hats though. I don't think I'd be scared of them. Yeah. You know, it's like, do you also do acapella on off days? <laughs> they had that kind of energy. Yeah. Like yeah. a, like a, Oh, we're a doo-wop gang, but like in the, in the seventies. <laughs> yes. A doo-wop gang is wild because you just do not equate that with danger or violence. Right, right. What are you going to serenade me to death? Come on. Yeah. But those guys all had like switchblades. Yeah. The doo-wop gangs were into some like stab, stab, leak, leak. I bet. Yeah. And then, and then you'd go and get like, um, like a malted milkshake at the local candy shop after a rumble. Right. And somehow you didn't get anyone's blood on you, even though you were fighting with switchblades. That's right. Yeah. A simpler time. I love that. Yeah. If we could just go back to a simpler time. Stabbings. <laughs> <laughs> this is a trad podcast. Yeah, I mean, come we're on. into traditional lifestyles, doo-wop, exactly. and, uh, gang rumbles with with stilettos. Remember those combs that were switchblades? Yeah. So I had like, one of those. Yeah. It was just so badass. Yeah. But my hair was always curly, so I didn't ever have a chance to like finish it off with flair after I opened it to like Rhett's flip it off. Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. So, what was the highlight of this oh. uh, of this event? Oh, it was really great. I mean, my cousin got married. It was a Hindu. Uh, sorry, what am I saying? It was a Muslim and Jewish wedding. What would be dope is if the Muslim and Jewish sides of your family were like, "Let's have it be Hindu." <laughs> they're, they're like happy medium yeah reincarnation no that'd be so fucking funny uh, they're like we're both monotheistic okay. and they're yeah. like well here's a pantheon of gods that n- n- nobody believes in yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're both staunchly monotheistic and come from the same sort of belief system yeah. but let's go for hindu but uh, how about a caste system you guys into that <laughs> oh god yeah they would nobody was be down for that that's the funny thing there's a lot of similarities between us, but um, yeah. So my cousin's getting married to um, a Jewish guy. What well, was they're married now? But um, opposites attract. This is uh, MC Scat Cat and Paula Abdul. Exactly, and actually they sponsored this podcast with uh, shout outs a bunch, and um, it feels like that wedding could have been officiated by Iman and uh, Jess Solomon. 
Actually, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because they're yeah. Uh, Muslim Jewish. Yeah, Iman El Husseini, Jess Solomon, both funny comedians. Yeah, the El Husseinis. Yeah. Yeah, so, oh, so I'm at the wedding, and I'm talking to the groom's uncle, and the groom's uncle is like, hey, they told me that you do stand-up. I used to do stand-up back in the day. I was like, no way. Meanwhile, the music was so fucking loud that my head was exploding. I could not hear a fucking thing. So I'm just listening to every other sentence. I can't hear what he's saying most of the time. He's like, I used to write for Joan Rivers, and then I wrote uh, some some TV shows. I wrote on the show called Happy Days, and then when Ron Howard uh, went on to make movies after Happy Days, I wound up going with him and making and writing this movie. He said, do you have any interest in writing movies? And that was when they introduced Michael Keaton. What? Yeah. So he starts telling me all these stories. He wrote uh, City Slickers 1 and 2. He wrote Multiplicity. He wrote Mr. Saturday Night. He wrote all these greed. He wrote this movie with Robin Williams. And he wrote a Steve Martin movie. And he was friends with all these guys. And while I'm talking to him, he's asking me about my parents. And I said, hey, my mom's right over there, actually. She walks over. He's like, he asked her, hey, what do you think about this guy doing stand-up? And he's expecting my mom to say, hey, we're not really into this shit. What is this? Yeah. But my mom, actually, this was a pivotal She's moment. Like, what if your mom was like, I thought it'd be more like Paul Rubens. I thought my son would be doing <laughs> more character work. He doesn't wear any skinny gray suits there's no red bicycle <laughs> that'd be and funny where is his childlike like there's no childlike wonder to any of his material I, I, <laughs> i've watched several of his sets and he never has any talking furniture as characters <laughs> dude she i was wondering what she was his, saying his she was jokes like, are all about his dick and standing <laughs> 69s not at all like Pee Wee herman that's not the type of comedian we raised oh man <laughs> Well, some of the vulgar stuff she's definitely not down with, but she said that's what he should be doing. Yeah. He wow. works in advertising but to feed his family, but he should be doing stand-up. And I was like, what? And she said, yeah, I mean, I wish that was just his full-time career stand-up. Yeah. Uh, where was this energy when I started? I don't know. But um, it was <sighs> it was a pretty monumental situation. But then my mom goes, hey, well, you're really connected in Hollywood, and Samir needs a mentor, so you can be his mentor. Mm -hmm. And the guy paused for a second, and he's just like, wow, your mom's really on it. You know? She's really on it. And then he goes, are you Jewish? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Actually, all my Jewish friends who know my mom are like, your mom's a Jewish mom. Yeah. It's fucking true. It's true. I think that, too. Yeah. She is very, like, in control of everything and stuff. Yeah, that's great. She's like, uh, so you made a movie with uh, Daniel Stern and Billy Crystal, City Slickers, part one and part two? Yeah, man. Can you get my son a meeting with Daniel Stern? Dude, so then... The he was my favorite of the wet bandits. Yeah, I mean, I seriously, I think people ask them these kinds of questions. Oh, and then Amanda was talking to him yesterday and was like, hey, do you did writers be on set? And he was like, yes every day is we would do rewrites and so today's hollywood is very different than yesteryear's the writers wanted them on set the directors want or sorry the directors the actors these people wanted them on set 
They wanted a writer to be there to make the movie cohesive, make sense. If they had to sub something out or change something last minute, you know? Yeah. And maybe during, I don't know, I think maybe comedies have more of that Mm -hmm. because something can work on the page. But then once you actually see it performed, it might not pop. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's important to have a comedy writer there in the moment to be like, how can we make this even bigger? How can we make this better? Yeah, absolutely. Punch it up. Yeah. Punch boys. Well, that's all to say. I really hope that things get resolved with this strike and that um, things don't go the other direction because they're supposed to be a viable career and an exciting career for entertainers and for comedians and writers and everything. And the waves that this will make is pretty profound, you know? Culture will suck. And then what will take its place? Uh, deep, more DIY comedy shows done for the love. I mean, I, I, <laughs> yeah, my, take, my, my takeaway is like, you know, the, the biggest problem is commerce and the biggest problem is the um, complete uh, centralization of like all culture making into like four corporations mm-hmm. and streaming all of these things. It's like, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe art isn't a viable um it isn't viable to try to make money off of art within the system. Yep. Like if your if your desire is to go write for CSI or like any TV show or even to make a comedy show, maybe that's not like the best dream to have. You know, it's almost like if your if your dream is I want to be a rock star and play in stadiums, that is different than saying I just want to be a musician and play music. Because if you just want to be a musician and play music, you know, you can you can set up a show anywhere. Right. You know, but right. it's like begging to be part of this like system that sucks, which is like the brainwashing te- <laughs> television. Television is uh, like taking spray paint to your third eye, as Bill Hicks would say. It, if your dream is to be on TV, well, TV is the devil. And like, do I just want to be another um, empty, more empty calories? Right. That um, uh, impoverish people's minds. Because yes, yeah, the stuff that resonates at the top, that's at most ubiquitous in mass culture, is dog shit. So it's not. This is not an anti-union stance because I 100% want everybody to like. I'm pro the WGA. I'm pro actors getting paid for their work, but I'm also just thinking, well, what is this industry anyway? Right. It's like Santa Claus too. Yeah. With Tim like, Allen. You know, you could be a politically incisive comic and then you get paid to write for whatever the Daily Show is or John Oliver and your be your opinion is being defanged to like sort of be whatever contrarian or edgy, but within the context of nothing's really revolutionary or edgy on a show that's purpose is to keep you watching the show right. rather than changing things. They don't want to drive people away by being too... Edgy. I mean, your your prime your primary job when you're on TV is to sell popcorn and cars. And like cars. Ted, La- you're never like Ted Lasso vibes, right? The feel good comedy, <laughs> safe show kind of thing. Sure, sure, but you can still be you can still make stuff um, outside of all of this, outside of that system. But it's like Funhouse. It's like actually having a live comedy show that people can come to, right? 
Or, it's not too expensive. It's not like cost prohibitive. It's yeah, you know, if you can go and see uh, live performances, that's that's my takeaway. Don't spend so much time worrying about TV and TV writers. Just watch live stuff and pay pay your friends. Right. Watch and support your friends. Be and a patron. Every one of you can be a patron of the art. This is my pitch for our Patreon. Yeah, for our Patreon. <laughs> oh, so Patreon merged with Spotify in terms of some new yeah. um, features. I just got an email about it. Great. So I don't let's, know maybe about we'll it. do a poll yeah. on, on Spotify. I'd love that. For that ass. Yeah. I'm going to look into it. I've I've participated in some of these polls on other podcasts, and it it just feels like being able to engage and kind of see some real-time feedback, too. Yeah, so fill out the poll uh, for this episode. Also, leave us a review because we love that. Leave us a review on Apple Pod. Yeah, that's really helpful. I wonder, you know, Apple Pods, the review thing used to be a real yeah. um, metric that pushed your podcast in front of people. <coughs> but now it's all like, corporate listicles and stuff. Like, wow, so sad. Like Ten podcasts to listen to while you make hamburger helper. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, man. <clears throat> so uh, while you were doing that this weekend, um, yeah. I uh, I just hung out. Had an awesome day in Prospect Park. It was dope. Um, ended up at like a a picnic under a tent with this um this guy's birthday party who I'd never met before. And everybody I asked, how do you know this guy? They're like, oh, uh, I'm part of the poly community. We dated for a while, and it was like literally eight or nine different uh, women at this party were like, yeah, we dated that guy, and they were all just hanging out. And I was like, this feels like um, like a heavenly experience, like, uh, like oh, cool. Like, w- can you imagine you're um, having a room full or a field full of your exes who are all chill with each other, and you're chill with them? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and I looked at his face, and he just had like, he had that the 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 smooth brow of a completely unbothered, like uh, you know, pet, a well fed pet, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I can picture it. And I was like, this guy, dude, he's living the dream. So that was cool. They were all like um, poly people at this uh, picnic, and uh, played catch for the first time in like years pulled some muscles definitely i already pulled muscles from the day before when right, the cockroach landed the on me yeah so i'm real stiff today from like having too much fun this weekend just playing catch hanging out at this picnic and then i went to the and then there was a really cool um birthday party happening next to next to our little group it was a big mexican family they're like 30 40 people and uh, they started playing musical chairs to ranchera music and it was cutthroat they were super into like the musical chairs so I had to go to, I had to pee and there's like no public bathrooms where, where we were at. So I went off into like the, the uh, bushes and uh, I look, I almost stumbled over this couple. Just like, it's, it's like 2 PM, super bright out, just steady pumping, having extra sex in the, in the bushes next to me. And, um, to the sound of the ranchero music. No, stop it. <laughs> it was dope. Right there in the woods. Right there, like bump, 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 bump. And people were like pissing in the woods, like while these people were fucking. Yeah, they were definitely part of like the birthday party. And then I went down. I mentioned it to somebody else, and my friends like, "Yo, dude, that's why, dude, Mexicans, we're gonna, it's gonna be a reconquista. That's why we're gonna stay winning." 
That like, is incredible that people are fucking. If at. you're willing to keep making, you got to just be ready to make more people. <laughs> at all times. That's hilarious, dude. I was thinking like you went and mentioned it to the poly party. Well, and, that's uh, what's wild. It's like the poly party was like all cerebral and heady. Yeah. Like there was nobody there that were, that I was feeling like, hey, do you want to walk off into the bushes right now and like go like just smash to this fucking Tigris del Norte? Yeah. And then they're like, well, let me just talk to my eight partners. Here exactly. Sure that's cool. It would have been a kitchen table conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so dead. I actually ran into a comedian friend of ours. Last night, and she told me that she is dating somebody, but she's the third or fourth in a poly relationship. In the hierarchy, on the ladder. Yeah. so On like Maslow's hierarchy of, of poly play. Yeah. So fourth in line or something. Sure. And It uh, is like, a, it sounds almost like royalty. Like yeah. your line of succession to the throne, to bone. <laughs> I love it. But I love how there's just those rules and it's all about open communication. So it's like, hey, on Wednesday, I'm going to go to like Sansa's house and just fuck them. So I need you to know that. <laughs> I love and that it's a game, okay. game, game of Thrones character. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tuesdays for Tyrion. Yes, exactly. Tyrion Tuesday. So uh, that yeah. sounds like a fucking great weekend. Yeah, it was cool, man. I love going to love a picnic. Yep. Thought about going to the beach. Mm-hmm. Beach in New York, too, dude, it's too much trouble. I don't understand when I see people's uh, IG stories that they're Fort Tilden or Robert Moses or whatever. I'm like, dude, you took like a train to a boat? Yeah. Or you, uh, do you have a, who's got the car? I have the car, so it's a lot easier, but it's still like an hour drive every you gotta, time. You got to tell me next time you're going. I'll, oh, yeah. I'll come oh, out yeah, to, will. Then it'll be like a 45-minute commute to your place to get in the car. Yeah, and then an hour. <laughs> and then an hour in the car. Like, I could have flown to Florida by now. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the beach, I agree with you, is a bit of a thing because I love going. I absolutely love going, but lately there's been some things. One the water had a super high count of fecal matter in it. That's in, what we love. In June and July. Sure. Um, <clears throat> to the point tsunami. where they were supposed to close it, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. And it's because the sewers overran because of all the r- rain that happened in June and July. Yeah. So, yeah. So there is a whole thing about that in the Eastern Seaboard. The, and the way I found out was because they had closed all the beaches in Massachusetts over the 4th of July. And then when I came back here... I looked it up. I was like, well, if it was because it rained a lot, it did New York, too. And then I saw an article <laughs> that was like, New York left the beaches open, even though the water is full of shit. And then the other day at Rockaway, a woman got bit in waist-deep water by a shark. Yeah. So Who was att- attracted by that poop. It was a fecal, yeah, exactly. a fecal freak shark. <laughs> a fecal fetish shark. Yeah. It's like, mmm, this yeah. shoreline is real tasty. Mm, it smells like ass up in here. And you know what I like to eat? Ass. <laughs> chomp, chomp, mad. chomp, chomp, chomp. The Meg 3. The Meg. <laughs> it's so good. I have um, tons of shark content on my Discover whatever for you page. Yeah. And a bunch of bogus AI shark content is making it on there. Because they're running out of real shark content. Oh. So so I'll I'll see the thumbnail and it'll be a shark eating a boat in half. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And then I'll open it and it'll be from a video game. Yeah. Or it'll be from the movie The Meg, which is 
straight up CGI the entire thing. I don't even think there's real people in Neymar. That's right. So, yeah. Well, see, that's why we don't need new actors, bro. Yeah, we the already Meg have, will prove it. Yeah, we already have enough footage of Harrison Ford. Clearly, since <laughs> that's what they did with the Indiana Jones movie, you can just put him in every movie. In fact, the future I think is like you pick a movie title and mm-hmm. adventure. So you can be like, I, I want to watch a Star Wars movie. And they'll be like, how do you want it to end? And it's like, I want Darth Vader to win. And you can plug and play almost like a video game where you can be like, I want this Darth Vader and I want it to be Anakin. And uh, instead of it, and I want uh, Jeff Bridges to play Han Solo instead of Harrison Ford. And I want it to be like 19, uh, 37-year-old Jeff Bridges. and you can, Or the dude. You could just have it be the dude from The Big Lebowski. And you can take footage from that and have and just create all of your own characters from everyone that existed in the past and plug and play storylines because it's all formula. So we don't we literally don't need new actors or writers. It's that's, a wrap. That's, it, what you said is exactly why those clauses are in there. Yeah. So they can replicate well, this user is why image and user likeness and voice, et cetera. Tell artists to stop trying to uh, work for corporations. Yeah. Because they're not your friends. Yeah, they're just trying to fucking Yeah. I mean the worst <laughs> worst thing about it is it's a union thing. So it's if you're in that union, are you agreeing to if they were to say yes to this shit, then are you bound to that too? And all of a sudden I don't know. Like you said though. Well, there's also wildcat strikes. And like the thing about every agreement is that the agreement only lasts as long as everyone respects it. And the minute that you stop respecting it, it's a wrap. That's how our constitution was. That's how in 1783, we uh, created the constitution. That's now the constitution that we follow is we said control alt delete on the colonial arrangement that we had with great Britain. And then we had the articles of confederation that lasted from like 1776, maybe to 83. And then we control alt deleted that. Yeah, and that was and the so, Constitution. You know, so if I wasn't part of this union when that agreement was made, that shit doesn't... I'm not born into a covenant. This isn't right. like some religious... That's what's weird about legal fictions is that they uh, replicate our uh, religious fictions. So like Judaism and Christianity have this idea of like a covenant between us and God. But that, whatever that, or that weird... Contra- what a weird way to even construct an idea of spirituality that somehow God like signed a lease with my ancestors. Right. That I've got to follow. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I didn't sign that lease, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) I love this idea. I also love the idea of spirituality. (laughs) The other day, Amanda was super mad about something that I did and I just was, she was silent. Yeah. And then I just looked up at her while she was huffing and puffing around. And I was like, are you spiritual? Because <laughs> it's like the stupidest concept. Yeah. <laughs> it's so dumb. People go, like I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. Okay. What are you fucking. <laughs> what does that mean? So dorky. That's right. That's yeah. right. It's vague. It's, it's so vague. <laughs> I always thought that way about the term prayer as well. Because I remember just when I was little, there'd be like the 700 club. You just turn on TV. And every preacher would say, you know, uh, if you want better health, you got to pray. If you want more money, you got to pray. You know, the problem we have with this country is not enough prayer. And I'm like, well, I don't even know what that. So do you mean meditation? And they're like, 
you know, I'd ask like the priest at school and they're like, no, it's different. And I'm like, so is it talking to myself? And it's like, no, it's different. Like if you can't define what the term is, then it serves no purpose. <laughs> I love that word salad vagaries. You know, yeah. when someone asks you an, an annoying question mm-hmm. and then you just answer it with a question. Yeah. Almost. But why though? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Why? Oh, oh man. man. Well, what's the, this past week was so nuts just with the whole, just the increase in people buying and looking for uh, folding chairs. Dude, I don't. I haven't seen uh, Barbie. I haven't seen Oppenheimer, but I will tell you what I want to watch, and that is the Alabama massacre. <laughs> I want to watch that <laughs> Montgomery riot on IMAX. I want to see a mosaic of every one of those uh, phone videos that was yes. made, just plastered on a big screen. That shit felt like uh, the second coming of Reconstruction. It I, really did, man. Yeah, I, and for anybody that hasn't seen it, um, there was, <laughs> I, was, I was trying to like describe this at my office without, uh, using like any race language. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, <laughs> my office coworkers, cause I was the first one to see it. I'm like extremely online. Yes. And I was like, well, oh, my friends. So what you need to know is that there was a riverboat in Alabama right on the water and it couldn't park because there was another small boat, um, that was in the way. And the gentleman on the small boat that was obstructing it, uh, let's just describe them as like they had small business owner energy. (laughs) So they were a bunch of small business owners. They weren't wearing shirts and they were incredibly sunburned. And there was another gentleman who was an employee of the riverboat and he was dressed as a security guard. So he had a uniform and he, he like basically untethered their boat after requesting several times for them to move. But the small business owners felt very <laughs> small business entitled. Uh, maybe they felt like they had a, a certain level of privilege to ignore this guy um, for maybe, I don't know, hundreds of years of, <laughs> of oppression may have led them to feel entitled in this way of them, of people like them, pink people, <laughs> snow apes, <laughs> I, I didn't go there. But, <laughs> yo, but they were mad drunk and they uh started attacking the security guard. At which point a bunch of people that were not employed by this company but were of the same demographic as the security guard swarmed these shirtless pink yahoos. And and then finally another security guard enters frame swimming quickly to the shore. And um, him swimming also under undercut a lot of stereotypes people have of his demographic. Yes. About security guards being able to swim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so really it was a fight between security guards and small business owners. Exactly. <laughs> Class warfare. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah. And we don't want to call it a race riot because a race riot is often when a bunch of white people basically lynch black people, but it, they make it sound like it's an even right, fight. Right. This was a brawl. Yes. And um, the white guys who were all dressed in shorts and flip-flops, mm-hmm. they all threw the first punches, and they all looked like savages because they, they, they were just wearing shorts. They looked like Tom Hanks and Castaway. <laughs> they did. 
<laughs> I love it. And like all the black people are like, not, they're not all, some of them are in sw- swim trunks too, but there's like just well-dressed uh, black people out for the weekend seeing this nonsense happen and then coming down to aid their brethren. And also the people on the boat were incredible uh-huh. because so as you mentioned, there were hundreds of different videos of this. Yeah. Because everyone on the big boat that was meant to dock uh-huh. that was forced to wait for these idiots to move out of the way were telling them to get out of the way and then videotaping it before the whole altercation kicked off. And uh, so it was just a giant boat of people watching this entire thing. Dude, and the boat. So the boat is full of incensed people yes. who are watching the fight happen. They're feeling both frustrated that they can't dock and then impotent when they see the fight actually happen. And they're like rooting for the security guard. Yeah. They're like team security guard the whole time. And one of the videos pans down and you see like five or six other employees on the boat wearing um short like what is it like genius bar uh shirt polos they're yep. wearing blue polos though yep. and so when the boat docks then cut to another video and you see like all of these uh blue polo security guards fucking out there like it's like the warriors man they're just out there bopping yes <laughs> and that's where the chair comes in dude the ch- yes the chair is incredible okay there's weird things about this where the first time i saw the video I was I had a second of doubt where it seemed staged staged because the security guard at when he gets hit the first time he's like oh it's on now and he winds up ripping his hat off and throwing it to the wind yeah you saw that right yeah and that's from a Bobby Shmurda video Bobby Shmurda <laughs> did that in a uh-huh. video so it was unbelievable it just looked like so staged because of that but it was real it was just his absolute it was just his breaking point he was like already this hat's coming off because the hat was part of his uniform yeah and so he's like fuck this now i'm gonna kick your ass and uh the other thing was just the yeah the the fucking folding chair people went back the day after and found the folding chair on the dock and then people are trying to put that in the African-American Museum in D.C. <laughs> I mean, I got to say, dude, it's you can look at this as like some world star nonsense, but I, I look at it as American history. Like I teach uh, civil rights, yeah. you know, uh, workshops and we have pictures of like sit ins. We've got pictures of um, the uh, the uh, uh, Dakota Access Pipeline yeah. protests, all these civil disobedience and like this video is one of the first videos where you see mutual aid and you get, and it's on film like everything we saw from black lives matter to now and before that even is like images of uh the police like shooting down it's like all atrocious videos that make you feel bad yeah you know and like people being murdered on camera and here is an image of uh, an entire community getting the security guards back right and showing white people um not all but like these small business owner boys being like showing them be the monsters yes showing them be the savage antagonists yep you know and And uh, just their entitlement (laughs) self-entitlement no i'm gonna park here even though i'm not supposed to what are you gonna do about it 
was the impetus for Dude, this Dude, and even fight. their girlfriends got those chairs. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I hate to say it. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I was like, yeah, her too <laughs> when I was watching because yeah. they were... They were being violent. They were fighting too. They were jumping that guy. So totally. I mean, that lady was kicking that guy yeah. in the red dress. So there's yeah. one lady in the red dress who's out there just making things worse. Yep. And uh, she cut. Yo, she cut that chair. <laughs> and mo- <laughs> mostly, they just left her to like the lady security guards. Yeah. Which is like Ghostface has a line in one of his songs about like I'm gonna see you at the mall. I'm gonna have my uh, like, and he's talking about like the girl. Who treated him wrong? He's like, I'm gonna have my girl cousins rock you. Yeah, you know, because like he. Can't. I know that's on. Yeah, so um, so yeah, man. Sometimes you just gotta let your girl cousins step in and like knock out the girl in the red dress. And yeah, that's, that's um, that song. The beat is done by Rafael Sadiq, I think. Oh yeah, Neo is the uh is on the chorus of that. Yep. Um, Ghostface song. I can't it's remember. It's so the name good. Now. It's killing me now. But um, but yeah, dude. And then there was a there was like some peripheral characters. The videos are hilarious. Like one dude, he uh he gets beat up and then he runs and jumps in the water. A couple of them like just ran watching <laughs> yes. them after like the first in the water. Is filthy, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, doo doo water. Like doo water. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, but then there was like one lady who came down to try to break things up, and she unfortunately she was like the wrong demographic. Right? She was she was. She looked like the antagonist. She yes. looked like a small business owner. Yeah. So she came down the walkway and tried to break things up and then immediately got rocked. <laughs> and honestly, that's also a case of don't why would you try to Yeah, mind your business. Yeah. Do yo, don't be a peacemaker. <laughs> yo, the don't peacemaker ever. <laughs> is all his gang there asking. Yeah, dude. In every story. Oh, what happened to that guy? Oh, he got stabbed trying to break up a barroom brawl. Don't, Don't be that do guy. Yeah. Like the kid in Stand By Me, uh, I can't remember, uh, Phoenix, uh, River, River Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. His character in that, at the end, in the epilogue, they're like, yeah, oh, you know, he di- he he died about five years after this trying to break up a brawl in, in a bar. And it was like, well, fucking, what a dummy, dude. Fuck around and find out. It's yeah. not your job to be the peacemaker. Yeah, these people are doing violent things to each other. Don't get violence done upon you by them. That It's every on every Reddit video where someone tries to break things up, something bad happens to them. Yeah. Sucks. Let it. And also, and what that's the sense of entitlement, too, to think that you can break things up. Where, uh, what, what about you do you think is bulletproof or not, or like sacred? Right. And I think it was in a way, I'm just going to say like this idea of like white femininity somehow being sacred in this space. Like she definitely thought that nothing was going to happen to her by stepping into this. And it's like, you can't break up a fight between this white guy that started shit yeah, <laughs> and a community that is enraged at that moment. Yeah. At what just happened. It's never going to happen. Yeah. There's nothing you can say that's going to prevent them from and finishing. If you were, <laughs> the way it's finished. And if she was an ally of like the security guard and was, then just film it. That's all you can do is film it. Yeah. Your, your job in that moment is to play, play the back, stand in the back. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be taking up space. Space where you can catch the chair. That's right. <laughs> I saw a hilarious video, and it was uh, someone filming their friend in the aisle at a Walmart testing out a, a folding chair. Yeah. <laughs> so they were hitting people with it. 
<laughs> there's just a guy further down the aisles being like, what is going on right now? It was incredible because people are going to start busting the chair out more. Yeah, man. Well, you know, this is bad uh, because CTE is a problem and it's just so easy to get concussed with, oh, yeah. with uh, at least with the metal chairs. I've been watching a lot of the dark side of wrestling. Yep. So um, that's why I'm, I've been thinking about, oh, I never want to get hit in the head with a, with a chair. Yeah. Dark Side of the Ring, right? That's yeah, the show. it's so great. Yeah, everyone loves that. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so I did a deep dive and just listened to this podcast and absorbed like six hours on uh, Vince McMahon's life. Oh, yeah. And it, I think wrestling as something that I, I used to watch WWE, WWF, like 80s, early 90s, but not since. But I, I'd say just his consolidation of power with the WWE and gobbling up all of the other territories is uh, reflects exactly what happens in uh, capitalism, basically, with um, all of entertainment yeah. being gobbled by, like, mega corporations. So you can study American history, business history, through wrestling. I know, right? And then Saudi Arabia... Mm-hmm. Gobbling that up because they want to have influence over the layman's mind in the United States. <laughs> yeah, and it's like the most populist um, uh, art form too. Where and sometimes it's like ugly in that it 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 can hit just like base stereotypes or base. Oh hell yeah! Nineties <laughs> WWF was a treasure trove of racism. Yeah, dude, Iron Sheik is the shit. I love that guy. Yeah. There was like a Saudi Arabia uh when we were at war with Iraq. Yep. Uh there was um another guy, I can't remember his name now, but he like tag team with Sergeant Slaughter yeah. who went to the dark side. Yeah, he was a heel. He was <laughs> he became uh down with the rock. Yeah. Yeah, he yep. became like a an Iraqi mercenary at some point. <laughs> it's so good. Those characters are insane. Yeah, man. Remember Tatanka? <laughs> the Native American? Yes. Yeah. Who was not Native American at all? Razor Ramon, Scott Stapp, or no, not uh-huh. Scott Stapp. His name was Scott um uh, Hall. Scott Hall. Yeah. And he would play a machismo Latino, but he was a white dude from Canada. Or dude, junkyard dog is just a black man with a chain around his neck. <laughs> it's ruthless and insane. <laughs> it's it's insane. But so depending on the time, like you yeah. you see how all of these characters kind of reflect the um, stereotypes of their moment. Yep. And there was another character, New Jack, who they had a whole episode on this guy. And New Jack was also a black man who, um, RIP, he passed away recently, but he was um, part of like an extreme wrestling circuit in the South uh, that was not affiliated with WWE. And at the time that he started, the uh, Rodney King riots had just happened, I think. And he, so his character was like, what is the thing that these, that like Southern rural whites are the most scared of? And then he just became like NWA, the, like the, the, the rap group. But like, if you made that into one wrestler and he just called himself new Jack. Oh my God, dude. And, um, yeah, so he just like he was like, mm, all right. Strategically speaking, uh, I'm gonna scare everyone. He w- 100%. by taking their weird, racist, like sketchy. Yeah, that's amazing. He became their worst nightmare. I, I forget that these people develop a character 
on top of also having this physicality and being able to do all these gymnastics and all this other bullshit. It reminds me of stand up. Like yeah. Yeah. Well, except for the pen. <laughs> they're <laughs> the like pen, the horrible pen. Yeah. They're like Gigi Allen stand up comedian uh carnival acts. You yeah. know, because it would like the same thing with stand up, it, it takes you years to find your voice. Yep. You might get technically good, but you also need to have like uh an identifiable persona or yes. character. Yes. And that's the same thing with like all of these wrestlers. They start out learning the ropes, but then they have to find uh, like some sort of costume or character that really, and not only in and sometimes it's like to be hated. Yeah. Right. But, of course um, <laughs> the heel thing is huge. They pick, yeah, they pick their character so that people, well, the whole objective is to make people feel some type of way. Yeah. And then they're on the road forever. Yep. And that's like that's the the best thing you can get is to ha, is to be skilled, have a character and then have work all the time on the road. Yep. And that's that's kind of the goal in uh stand up as well. Yeah, um we have some friends who wrote for that and or do for for Glow, Glorious Ladies of Wrestling? No, for, for WWE. Yeah, we do. You know who writes for it? Um Parisi what yeah he's been doing that he was on our show and he was in town just for a few nights brian parisi yeah 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 matt weir also writes for that yeah used to Mm -hmm. yeah he knows vince mcmahon personally yeah vince seems like a psychopath yeah (laughs) i've heard as much from many people that he's like a special type of psychopath well and then like I think when I started watching, it was maybe the second generation of steroid using uh, wrestlers. Yeah. So uh, if you look at all of the wrestlers from like the late 80s through the two, 2000, they're, they're all dead. From yeah. Like, um, 100%. Extreme uh, painkiller addiction, steroids. Yep. And painkillers. Yeah. Because they're, they're working out so hard, getting mangled on stage. And then uh, tearing muscles left and right, and then CTE if they uh, if they're if their trademark move is getting hit in the head with uh, metal chairs. Yeah, Chris Benoit. Yeah, or doing like a flying headbutt, which yeah. was that that was the move that he did that gave him like however many concussions. Really? Yeah. Because when they cut up his body at the end, at like they did an autopsy, he was uh, just severely brain damaged. Yeah. Before, um, you know, he looked normal, but his brain was just covered in scar tissue. And his, um, I think the level of testosterone in his body uh, was like 500 times higher than it was supposed to be. Oh my God. <laughs> He's like Ben. So, you, so like, so brain damage and like that drug that makes every seventh grader fucking unruly in class. Yep. But like jacked up 500 times. It is absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, a recipe for insanity. I'm not going to say that what he did was okay, but I understand how, like, and obviously, I understand how someone can just be in like a, uh, you're, he's not responsible for his actions. Yeah. He was not, that was not him controlling himself. He yeah. was fucked. He was brain damaged. Still terrible and horrible. Terrible, terrible. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyway, uh steroids and brain damage. 
risky cocktail. <laughs> risky cocktail. The understatement of a lifetime. <laughs> you might not have a good time. <laughs> don't take it. Don't take my word for it. <laughs> I did. This is like a feel good thing. Real quick, I yeah. saw this Bismarcky documentary this weekend as well. Sure, and it is so good. It was on Showtime and Paramount Plus. And uh, I don't know if you were ever a, a fan, but he, uh, as an artist, so inspiring. Um, one thing I didn't know about him was that he is kind of like the. They said it in the in the movie, but he is like the Forrest Gump of hip hop. Yes, right. So one thing he did that was so cool is that he would go and find um, like the best rapper in high in high schools because he was in high school, so he was, wasn't like a weird creep. Right. Going to high school. Right. <laughs> he's just skipping school and he's going to cafeterias and he goes to one and like there's Rakim and uh, everyone's like, hey, you got to battle Rakim. And he battles Rakim and they're like equals, you know, and he's like, Rakim, you're so great. We should go uh, come with me to Harlem. You know, Rakim's like living in Long Island and he's like, I don't want to leave. He's like a little co- comfortable suburban guy. He's like, no, let's go do like a battle in Harlem. So they take the train to Harlem. And they uh, like sign up for a contest together, and they lo- they don't win. But like Rakim's like, oh, but that was like the first time that I saw like a larger hip hop world outside of Long Island. Yeah, and it's because this guy like convinced me to come out with him. So there wouldn't really be me if it wasn't for like Biz doing that. Then Biz, he's like an orphan, so uh, he's all over. It's lives his first like 10 years in, in the projects in Harlem. And then he um, goes to Long Island, lives in a foster a group home, foster home. But I think it's because he never really had like a family, like a solid family. He, instead of being like a sad orphan, he kind of like made his home wherever he was at. So he was like, oh, cool. I'm living in Long Island. And he would just take buses and trains and hang out in all the different neighborhoods in Long Island. So he like knew every scene. Wow. You know what I mean? And he was the connector of scenes. So then he goes to like uh, Brooklyn and he meets like a young Big Daddy Kane. And he's like, hey, man, we should do some routines together. And so now he's like beatboxing for Big Daddy Kane, gets him on. Rock him and Big Daddy Kane don't know each other, but like he's worked with two of the biggest like powerhouses of uh, golden era rap at this point. Right. Then he goes to Queensbridge. He meets Shantae who's like one of the godmothers of rap at this time. And uh, he's like, hey, can I stay at your house tonight? And then like never leaves. And then he's like, hey, you're pretty good. How about we work together? So now he's like beatboxing for her. And he's like connecting Long Island to Brooklyn to Queens. And then he's going to Fat Joe's t-shirt shop in the Bronx. And he's just like uh, working behind the cash register. Really? Yeah. And he's already kind of a star because he's got like at least stuff on the radio and he's like known in New York City. Like Puerto Rican Fat Joe? Yeah. I didn't realize he had a t-shirt shop. Now he's just going to Fat Joe's little shop in the Bronx and like, you know, working the cash register, selling tapes. Not his own, just like being of service. Right, right. So one thing I got from this was just like uh, he had an eye for talent and then he had the ability to encourage that talent. And then also play, if not the like lead, a subordinate role, but like not permanent subordinate role, just sort of like, hey, let's like 
let's just do something for the sake of doing something. Yes. And then moving on to like other artists and kind of like doing that as well. That's so cool, man. That's really, that's, I'm going to watch the shit out of that. Uh, he has such a good vibe too, Bismarcky. Yeah. Um, he's on a bunch of children's shows. Well, obviously RIP Biz, but yeah. he was on a bunch of children's shows. So sometimes I'll walk in the room, my kids will be watching something. I'll be like, fucking Bismarcky is on this. Yeah. And they're going to start uh, beatboxing. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that would be amazing. I would love that. <laughs> um, but he was a master beatboxer. Encourage too. it now. Don't yeah, wait until show. don't wait until your kids are like uh, forty years old. Oh, they will fucking exactly. And then be like, I wish you both were Daredevil um, motocross champions. <laughs> I'm not encouraging that. Why shit. did you be? <laughs> they, if they become motocross kids, I'm fucking out. You're like, <laughs> they're like, but dad, I thought I thought your passion for us was that we always go into becoming life insurance actuaries. No. I thought you wanted so us to predict sad. on a on a finite timeline everyone dies, dad. I thought you wanted us to really focus <laughs> on the mortality rates of uh people depending on how much they vape. Well, you know what? That's the truth. Everyone's going to die and we don't <laughs> live very long on this earth, so Fuck now. Follow your dreams. Follow your passion. <laughs> as long as it's not being an actuary, then follow yeah. a different passion. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, my friends. This has been another episode of Halal Cartels. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Gabe Pacheco. You can find me at GabePack1 on Instagram. And I'm Samir Sam. You can find me at S-A-M-E-E-R-M-O-N on Instagram. And we've got a really great episode of, or sorry, we've got a great Funhouse comedy coming up this Wednesday at 10 p.m. It doesn't matter which Wednesday at 10 p.m. I'm speaking about because they're all fire. And it's every Wednesday. That's right. Uh, oh. That's Pete's Candy Store, 709 Lormer Street in Brooklyn, Williamsburg. Bing bong. And now listen to the juicy, fresh sounds. Uh, coming from Sari Patel, a.k.a. Brown Privilege. Peace. Later. <laughs>